0: Does anybody have faith to bless this word this morning? Yes. Lord, we're hungry for your word. We're hungry for guidance. Make a light for our path today. Let's bless this, these words that Dan is speaking. In the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I want to kind of start from last week first. You know, last week we talked about God making a new covenant with us. You know, and we talked about Moses going up to the mountain and receiving the tablets of the Ten Commandments from God and walking down the mountain, seeing the golden calf and the idolatry, and he got mad, and he broke the tablets. You know, and so God told Moses, you prepare new tablets And bring it to me and I will write on those tablets. And to me, what was highlighted to my heart was you know, we present our hearts afresh so that God can write. He can rewrite. He can recreate and reset us in a in a new course. You know, and then one thing that I read last week was out of Romans uh, 12, 1 and 2. And it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So, again, you have to present your body, your heart, your mind, everything that you are. You know, we are spirit, soul, and body. So, you present yourself afresh, you know, to God. And that's your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Okay? So, after a service, somebody asked me, can you teach a little, bring a word about that." how do you you're changed by the renewing of your mind and I prayed all week and I read about it and it is impossible to do this in one service <laughs> hmm? <laughs> we can start but we will not ne- not get done with this you know but I was thinking a few things and and that's why I, I shared that with you know you and to me, whatever god asks us to do it's not impossible for him to do but i think it is impossible for me to do it to change my mind okay if i if i try to change myself you know there are verses that says that you know uh, let me find one here jeremiah thirteen twenty three. It says, can an Ethiopian change the color of his skin? Right? Can a leopard take away its spots? Neither can you start doing good if you have always done evil. We cannot change. We cannot change ourselves. We, we, I mean, we try. There are a lot of self-help books, right? People trying to discipline their, self, their, their their minds or their bodies, You know, and people are always looking to change. And a lot of times you just get to a a wall and you cannot change yourself. You know, but I think that for God, it is possible that he can, like he he promised in Jeremiah, I'm going to make a new covenant. I'm going to remove the heart of stone and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. And I'm going to write my laws, my words in your heart. So God is looking to do that. The problem is that how do I get to the place where God can actually rewrite or transform my mind? So here is some of my thoughts, okay? For there to be a transformation or a renewing of my mind, first, I need to be humble enough to recognize that I do not know everything. I need to be humble enough to know that people may know things that I don't know. You know, it's like I, I keep thinking about the, the story of this Japanese warrior, in Second World War. That It took 18 years after the end of the war for him to trust that everything had changed. You know, because he was so set in his ways that he could not believe anybody. And I think that the emperor had to go himself to that little tiny island and to finally confirm to him, hey, all the pamphlets and everybody that I've been sending you here for 18 years, they were telling you the truth. Because he would only believe the emperor because he was completely committed to a way of thinking. So this is facts. This is, uh, I, I watched a movie about this. So in his isolation, in living in that one island, he, he did not change for 18 years, and he kept fighting the war. OK, so this is facts. I'm not making this up. So in my isolation, I will not change. You know, so I need to be exposed to a different mind. You know, it's like a, a computer. If you don't download new information, your computer is going to only have that information that you had in the past. And the same with our mind. If we don't receive a new way of thinking, a new mind, and then then you, you can go do a search and mind and says we... Put on the minor Christ. You have to bring a way of thinking for you to change. You know, it's like we, you know, the, a new thinking for a new day. You know, you have to change the way you you thought before by bringing a new way of thinking. How do we do that? That's the million-dollar question, right? But first of all, I think that it has to start with and understanding that number 1 his ways are not our, our ways you know and his thoughts are not our thoughts but he is willing to give us his ways of thinking my question is how do i change and how do i receive that you know because if again like the example of the guy in the island if i am isolated not listening to you know like those that the Emperor sent you know pamphlets by helicopters say hey the war is over you know and then he sent people and other soldiers came with the news hey this is and he he could not change so he you ha- I have to trust in a new way of thinking okay so what else here? Yes. I think that at first I need to I I need to recognize that I'm limited. You're yeah, and then maybe I need to find other sources that's why I think that why relationships are so important. And that's where I think we're going to go to. Because the body grows and by that which every joint supplies. So the, how do, do we have the mind of God coming to me? A lot of times it's by hearing you. It's by hearing and, and then going back to the Lord. And say, is that you or is that just somebody else? Is that, or because I, I can do that with my own mind. I, I hear something and I can say, oh, that was God. But how do I know it was God? You know, and that's the danger of the isolation. So I think that the way out and the way, and again, I'm not saying I, I'm going to exhaust this idea of how the renewing of our minds, but I think that we, we can all share experiences and how we had to go through some difficult, a lot of times difficult, situations to get a new way of thinking. Okay? So uh, Romans 8, and I'm just going to read some scriptures here just so we can at least start with a, a, a scriptural foundation. Okay? So Romans 8, 6-8 says, So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile toward God. It never did obey God's laws. and never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. And then another translation says, our mind is hostility against God. Right? So I, I need to recognize that the difference between my mind and God's mind is huge. And I need to open up to that. Okay? First Corinthians 13, 9-10. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete. And even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes these partial things will become useless. So we only know in part. My problem is the pride of my mind is that keeps me from changing my mind. Because I am, oh no, I got it. I I know all the truth, and I know how things are. And when I do that, I do not change. Okay? Uh, So I one way that I started doing this was I need to always, it's a good thing when you're going to study something, you you know, like definition of terms, right? In some papers, you, you have that. what does it What is mind? You know, so I, I went on the Old Testament and I looked for all the, the references to mind. And I, I looked for the Hebrew word for mind. And for My surprise, one Hebrew word that sometimes is translated as mind is most of the times translated as heart. So when it says, I'm going to give you a new heart, it's saying, I'm going to give you a new mind. So I want to share this video of this Bible, the Bible project, And it talks about the the Hebrew word for heart.
1: For thousands of years, every morning and evening, Jewish people have prayed these well-known words as a way of expressing their devotion to God. They're called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And as for you, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. We're going to look at the fourth key word in this prayer, heart, which in Hebrew is sometimes pronounced levav, or more often in a shorter form, lev. Now, different cultures throughout history have had different conceptions of how the human body works, and this is also true of the ancient Israelite writers of the Bible. They knew that the heart was an organ in the chest that sustains life. There's mention of a heart attack in the Bible, naval, whose heart died inside of him, and he became like stone. But the biblical authors talk about the heart in many other ways that might seem strange to modern readers, and that's because these Israelites had no concept of the brain or a word for it. They imagined that all of the human's intellectual activity takes place in the heart. For example, you know with your heart in the Bible. Your heart is where you understand and make connections. In the book of Proverbs, wisdom dwells in the heart, and your heart is what you use to discern between truth and error like Solomon did when he was king. So the heart is where you think and make sense of the world, and it's where you do more. In the Bible, the heart is where you feel emotions. You feel pain in your heart, like Hannah did when she couldn't have any children. In fact, the phrase a broken heart comes from ancient biblical Hebrew. You also experience fear in your heart. Your heart can melt or be distressed. Your heart can even be depressed. But then on the flip side, your heart is where you experience joy. In Hebrew, to be happy is to be good of heart, or to have a heart of joy. So the heart is the generator of physical life. It's also the center of your intellectual and emotional life, and there's more. In Biblical Hebrew, the heart is where you make choices motivated by your desires. So David had it in his heart to build a temple for God. Your heart is where your affections are centered. They're called the desires of your heart. And if you really want something and go after it, it's like what Nathan said to David. Whatever's in your heart, go and do it. So that, in the Bible, the heart is the center of all parts of human existence. As in the well-known proverb, guard your heart because from it flows your whole life. Now the prophet Jeremiah believed that the human heart was fundamentally broken. He said, the heart of a human is deceitful above all, irreversibly sick, who can even understand it? He had watched a whole generation turn away from God. They started sacrificing their children as if that were a good thing. So this is why, in the imagination of the Hebrew prophets, the only hope for humanity is the total renewal of the human heart. Moses predicted that if Israel was ever going to love their God, their heart would need to be circumcised, which is a very vivid and surprising metaphor about removing evil and stubbornness from the human heart. David, after he committed murder and adultery, pleads with God to create in me a pure heart. The prophet Ezekiel hoped for a day when God would remove the heart of stone and give his people a new heart of soft flesh, which is very similar to Jeremiah's hope that God would write the commands of the Torah on the hearts of his people. And that brings us all the way back to the Shema. Every day, God's people are called to devote to God their whole body and mind, their feelings and their desires, their future and their failures. This is what it means to love the Lord your God with all of your heart. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, I like this because to me now next time you read the Psalms or you read the Old Testament and you you can interchange the word heart and mind because it's in, in, in Hebrew it's basically the same word but just translation translators choose different ways to translate that one word and we were talking about in our Bible study Wednesday about the different translations, you know, and there's not one perfect translation, you know, and so that you, you need to kind of, to, a lot of times you read, you know, the NASB, you know, which we have been used to for many years, and you, what is, is the same, because it's such, such a literal translation, that some other translations, they, they, make it easier to understand and and maybe they use different words in English that explain better the word in in Hebrew or Greek. So anyway, so to me, I think this is the beginning and I think it's going to be a a, a mutual effort with this. And one thing that I thought when we I was thinking about this, I, I was reminded of this book that it's called The Anatomy of the Soul and it's written by a doctor, a psychiatrist, that worked with probably hundreds or thousands of people, that, and were, they were able to change their way of thinking about difficult situations. And basically, what he's saying is, and I'm not going to try to convey a whole book in, in five minutes, but he's saying for you to change, you have to be known. You have to be exposed. You have to be honest. You have to confess. So the change comes in the, in relationships when you receive first you are heard and you are known, and then you, you're not ashamed, you know, and you're you're able to become honest and you're you're you confess like James says. Are, you, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. And the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And to keep it short, I want to read just a a couple quotes from this book to begin with. Okay? Uh, And then we, we can share or talk a little bit about this. Why can it be so difficult to connect with God emotionally? Simply put, our emotional response to God is often clouded by our own stories and implicit memory activity. My narrow pathways representing those well-encoded states of shame or guilt Leave little room for the new pathways of joy and delight. Does it make sense? We all go through our lives and we create pathways in our brain. And those pathways limit the new, the rewiring of our brain. Okay? This is why we need to be attentive to what others have experienced that reminds us of the way of, that God is. Not the way that our implicit memories and primary emotional states make him out to be. Right? So when we hear stories about Dahlia, right, you have to like be confronted. Hey, this is Not the God that I'm relating to a lot of times. This is the God that's doing wonderful things and new things. And so you have to be open to allow that input from somebody else to rewire the way you think about God and about your life and what you went through. And when you hear similar stories, you go like, And that person is healed. That person is fine. And I can be healed, I can be fine, and I can change and do not have to be a slave to my past or my history. But that does not come in my isolation. It comes when I am immersed in relationships with different people that also love God and love the Word and love the Scriptures and they're all looking to find the same path forward, okay? This is what I believe. But remember, God does not want to leave any part of us distorted or incoherent. He wants to bring healing. He wants to bring peace, wholeness, shalom. You know, he wants to bring restoration. So what does he do? He's ever about turning over every stone, to reveal all that needs to be healed. Especially those densely wired, ancient, implicit, narrow networks that represent emotion that's not integrated into the larger part of our mind's landscape. How do I allow the Holy Spirit to turn those rocks? There are hiding things. You know, to me, it is in the relationships. It is in finding a place where you can be honest and you're not going to be shamed. You're not going to be rejected. But you're going to be able to be loved and then hear a new way of thinking. Okay, I'm going to read. This is... So, yeah, thank you. But listen to this. This is a little exercise. So this book is full of exercises and full of stories of patients that he helped and patients that went through very difficult things in their lives, marriages, abuse, church, anything, okay? If considering God's emotions feels foreign to you, you may want to engage in an exercise that may help bring you closer to feelings, to feeling what God feels. Okay, so how do you create a new habit, right? You, like we are, you know, always trying to eat better. You have to, or exercise, you have to force yourself in the beginning to create that new pathway in your brain so you, you start doing that until it becomes natural, right? So to me, that's the, the celebration of disciplines. We have spiritual disciplines that we we can use and they can begin as a mechanic. You know, and one of the disciplines is confession or study. And, and, and we will get there eventually. But so he said... If considering God's emotions feels foreign to you, you may want to engage in an exercise that may help bring you closer to feeling what God feels. First, consider your feelings when you encounter this passage. Look, listen to this passage. Zep- Zephaniah 3.17 The Lord your God is with you. war The mighty warrior who saves He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Now, this is an exercise. You read this, like, what is this guy talking about? Zephaniah. You know, but you you make this personal about you. And say, hey, this is written here in the Bible for me. Okay? And so I'm going to experience this. And then he continues. Take a few moments in a quiet and comfortable place, free of distraction. And simply imagine the best that you can being in God's presence while he's feeling delighted to be with you. While he's quieting you and rejoicing in your presence. Imagine God singing about you. Until I wrote that sentence, I don't think I would ever have actually thought of God singing. Is he a baritone, a tenor, soprano, or alto, or per- perhaps some blended combination of vocal beauty that's impossible to describe? The point is, he's performing the opera in your honor, because he takes so much pleasure in you. You still don't have the picture? Think of you too holding a concert just for you, in your honor. But now, imagine that instead of Bono, it is God. Too cool. We often consider how we should feel when in God's presence. but. Have you ever imagined how he feels in yours? Do you feel Jesus feeling delight, joy, and peace? If not, what do you feel him feeling instead? What do you imagine he looks like? How does he sound? What does he say? What is the tone of his voice? And then, what do you feel yourself feeling as you respond to those initiatives of God? This exercise might take 5 to 10 minutes. Do it once or twice a day. Every day for 6 weeks. So, to me, and we will stop here for today, but I want to I wanna experience this transforming of our minds, of my mind. You know, and the way that I want to do is, I want to be vulnerable to the Holy Spirit. And I want to be honest. You know, Psalms 51 says, you desire truth. You know, truth in the innermost being. And I think that a lot of times we, we limit God because we are trying to hide our hurts or our emotions and our feelings. And that's why a lot of times I'm not changing. Because he is willing to take those emotions the way that they are, raw emotions, with confession, and then help me to think about all of that the way that he thinks. And see myself the way that he sees myself. And a lot of times, like I said, a lot of times I will change the way I see myself and the way I think about myself when I'm open for the way that people relate to me and the way that people see me. That's completely different than the way that I see myself. Anyway, this is what I had for this morning. But we bless this. You know, let this be a, a, Lord, we want to change. You know, and and I think that the answer for my change is in relationships. You know, I'm going to read this quote here from a message called Transformed by exposure. He says, John Stevens says, I don't think we necessarily change by changing our circumstances or through some kind of self discipline. I don't want to suppress one thing in my old nature, only to see that nature spring up and express itself in another way. If the old nature is suppressed in one way, it will express itself in another. You can take the old tree that produces carnality and you can trim off all the fruit but still grow a fresh batch next season, right? Would you like to have a deep, basic change in your spirit so that you could come into spiritual things? So that you could walk with God and know the things you should know? You can change. But how do you really change? Should you go to night school, join a self-improvement program, or take up jogging? That may help you, but it doesn't change you. Change comes from its exposure to God, not the discipline of self. And I think that the way that God, choo- a lot of times, chooses to reveal himself is through the pamphlets <laughs> and the soldiers that he sent that guy in that little island that was stuck in a war mentality. You know, or that same story about the the flood and the guy died after, you know... The boat, the helicopter, and he got mad because of God, no, God's going to save me. And God said, I sent you the guy to rescue, and I sent that person to tell them that they love you. And I sent them, that person to tell you who you really are, but you, you were refusing to listen. Because I was moving through my body to touch you and to speak to you. Amen. Amen. We bless this because, number one, what I think that what, the only thing that really changes us is when we receive love. You know, and, and when we love ourselves and when we see ourselves in a different way. You know, so I, I think that that's what God wants for each one of us, for all of us. You know, so we bless this process. You know, I, I, like, I like that book also joy because it's all the same principles and to me it's, it's taking waiting on the Lord that we heard so many times and making it more practical you know and making now you can do this and now like come and saying you know like we always heard everything is transparent right what everything that God did in the cross was transparent so he, he transfers his nature to us and he takes our own nature you know, but it, it takes my, my willingness to bring those dark rooms from my heart that nobody knows about, you know, and open the doors and allow the light of the Holy Spirit to come in and say, okay, now you can do whatever you want with this. And you can remodel this whole room and make it be what you want it to be. Because I, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you the power for you as m- the general contractor of my my spiritual and body to remodel me and recreate me. But I, I have to be willing to bring it, put it on the table, and say I'm not gonna pick it up again. I'm gonna confess it. But confession means. I'm going to not confess because I want to keep bragging about what I suffered. I want to confess so that I receive the healing back and I receive the forgiveness and I am changed by, by, by the confession, by the sincerity. So we bless that for us. Yeah, but if I do that, you'll reject me. He won't. That's the lie. That's, That's the, the lie. lie. That is the perpetual lie. Yeah. If I bring this out, you won't love me. Yeah. If you really knew, you yeah, and, and that, that's why, you know, that book, Celebration of Disciplines, that's one of the parts that always is, strikes me, is that we should see ourselves as a community of sinners. <laughs> yeah. You know, because then we, we don't have to come here and pretend. You know, that's why, you know, when, when we are able to be vulnerable and, and, and honest with one another, then we're going to see that we all have those difficult areas. And then we can actually help each other and nobody's going to be rejected. Nobody's going to be judged. Nobody's going to be like, oh, wow, you don't, be, don't belong here. You know, because we all have that, the same things. I think what you're is really exciting.
1: Me too. <laughs> Yeah. But what you're doing to me is you're bringing the scriptures, and you're bringing the word, and you're studying it, and you're bringing it down into the trenches where we are. And that's what people, authors like Brennan Manning did, and others, you know, others, and you're doing it. And, um, that's what I long for. And so I respond with an open heart. I respond with vulnerability. I, you know, says, Thank God I all men. yeah and that's the way I feel I yeah.
0: All men. And I, I need this. yeah and we're gonna do this together. Yeah. We're, we're gonna do this together. this is not going to be you know it's not just a, a lot of you know it's a, a lot of books that I read or you know this is gonna be us coming together and being a body you know, building itself up by that which every joint supplies. because I am changed when I am exposed to God. Amen. You know, right here. You know, and, and we're going to keep changing when we have a, a, a revelation of God. You know, and that can come anywhere, through anybody. Amen? Amen?